Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Larry Carter here with the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast. Today, I have with me in the studio my friend Doug Lehman. Welcome. Well, it's good to be here, Larry. <laughs> Doug, you've been, I've watched you in leadership for a long time, and you've obviously did lots of leadership when you were younger. We're going to talk about that. You've, you lead a local church. I mean, you're bivocational. You run a, a whole farm, a huge chicken farm. One of the main things I like about you, I'm, I was a chicken farmer, and you are still a chicken farmer. Yes, right? I am. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, obviously, I mean, you work overseas in India and many places. So thanks for joining me today, and we're going to get right down to it. Talk to me about your early, early years. You know, what did you learn about leadership when you were young, and how did you ever come to Christ? How did that work? Sure. Yeah. Well, I just had the blessing. Well, first of all, thanks, Larry, for the opportunity to sure. be here and Glad just sit here. in your uh, inner sanctuary <laughs> and uh, spend this a few minutes with you. But yeah, just a real privilege and an honor and I uh, really hope this time can be beneficial to, be. uh, to both of us. But uh, so uh, early on, I grew up, uh, I always tell people I like, I think I went to church probably the Sunday after I was born. Yeah. I uh, was there ever since. Uh, met the Lord at a Christian youth camp when I was nine years old. Got it. Uh, really, uh, probably more so to get my uh, free ticket out of hell card. Yeah. Uh, was really my motivation at that point in time. Uh, and really then through my teen years, uh, really, yeah, I probably wrestled with my faith some, but it was a good wrestle. Sure. Just learning and growing. Uh, and then uh, at 20, by 27 years old, sort of jumping way ahead, my wife sure. and I were uh, leading a youth group at that time. And I was baptized in the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. so on a weekend retreat, and my life has never been the same since. That's beautiful. And so I began to understand some things that I had really been searching for, sure. really probably since the age of nine. Sure. Uh, then and whenever, uh, around the age of that's, 27, 28, and God took me on an amazing journey. Yeah, and we're still awesome. on that journey, so it's, yeah. it's, it's been good. Well, I mean, I see you in leadership today in many areas, but let's go back to when you learned leadership when you were young. What are some areas of leadership or some things about leadership that you learned when you were young? When you're Yeah, old? sure. Yeah, so some of the things, just some leadership roles maybe I had when I was growing mm-hmm. up. Uh, really early on, probably one of my first uh, uh, things I did was uh, we uh, had a pretty active youth group at our church. Uh, that was, uh, and it was interesting. We didn't have a youth pastor or a youth minister at right. that time. It was just some amazing couples that volunteered to spend their time with us. And really, by the time I was probably in my mid high school, sophomore high school, there was a group of us that really sort of took over the leadership of that group. Uh, and we led the Bible studies. You're still we, in high school? Yeah, still in high school. Wow. And uh, there was a group of us, and I uh, ended up being. I guess we call, I don't know why we call it the president of the youth group, but that's what the, why not? That's the term was used back then. <laughs> so I was a leader of that group. And uh, yeah, we did a lot of activities uh, and really we were hungry. There was a hunger in that group. And, uh, and we really went after things ourselves at that time. And, and uh, it, most of that group today uh, is either in church leadership wow. somewhere uh, and all are following Jesus in Beautiful. some way, shape or form. So so that all happened when you were a teenager. Yeah, when I was a teenager. And it's, it's sort of, 
leadership was one of the things I never looked for, never really wanted. It found uh, you. But huh? it just sort of found me, mm-hmm. and I guess wouldn't say no. And so I uh, just sort of kept on choosing that route. So you, And then in my class at school, I went to a local uh, Christian, Shalem Christian Academy, uh, in the Chambersburg area, uh, Christian private school. And I ended up be, being the president of my class there as well. Uh, once again, not something I campaigned for or wanted. It just happened, and and uh, as and so I sort of got used to leadership just happening sure. to me at a young age. So God would open it. the doors, and you would walk through and basically. Yeah. And what was really interesting? So uh, after high school, I went to college for two years. I was first of all, I was going to be a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. That changed in one semester, and then I was going to be a youth minister. And you would never know this today, but I got out of that major because I did not want to do the internship. I was afraid uh, to do that. But I've mentioned college because in college, I made a conscious decision when I went to college, I'm not going to lead anything. And I stuck to my guns and my, my, I dropped out of college after two years. uh, And I look back on that and I probably wouldn't have if I would have got involved, but like there were, there were things that were crying out to be led, and I just said no. So why was, why did you do that? I was so tired of leading. Okay. Like, I just felt like I just wanted to go somewhere where I wasn't known as a leader. Uh, and I missed out on, I, looking back, of course, sure. when you're in that, you never right, realize right, that. Right, right, But looking back, I really missed out on some opportunities, probably. Uh, and probably would have finished college at that point, which I went, I did later in life. But uh, I probably would have finished back then if I would have just kept, continued to sure, be willing to, sure. to lead. Now, we're going to dig into some things you learned about leadership in a few moments, but yeah. give us some other areas where you've led. Yeah, so I was on a lot of sports teams uh, growing up and uh, often would be like a captain of that team. Uh, I've got into coaching pretty early on. Uh, enjoyed leading in a coaching uh, from a coaching standpoint. I uh, started a farming business at 20. Wow. Uh, it sort of fell into my lap too, but I started a farming business from basically from scratch. Uh, and it went really, really well uh, for we were dairy farmers. And then I got into some custom uh, work, began to plant corn for other people. Uh, and so that taught me, I learned a lot of things in the, that business uh, that once again, you never realize it when you're in the middle of it, but right. really began to prepare me for things I was going to deal with uh, even now. I guess I, when you lead, run your own business like that, you don't really <laughs> think of yourself as a business leader, but you know, began to, to just be involved in some air farming business, yep. uh, leadership areas, mm. agribusiness areas, you know, for a season, credit unions and things like that, that, you know, were uh, looking. Sure. Yes. Now you, uh, you and your wife, Jen, have led together. You guys are a great team. How did yeah. you meet Jen? How did that happen? So Jen and I met in high school. Uh, we uh, went to the same school together. Wow. Uh, she, we rode the bus together uh, from the time she was in first grade until I could drive, which would have been in 11th grade when I was in 11th. So we rode the bus together. She didn't like me very good uh, <laughs> for several reasons. I usually picked on her a lot. Uh, she will tell you. Uh, there uh, was one time on the uh, bus where shaving, not sha- uh, whipped cream ended up getting on her uh, from my doings. And so, uh-huh. but yeah, I fell in love with her. Uh, really, uh, we were, she was a, let me think here, I guess probably a ninth grader. I was a sophomore. Okay. Uh, but it wasn't until a, a year later that we began to go out. Right, uh, right. And yeah, so we were sitting in, I asked her to go to the skating rink with me first. Uh, we went roller skating together. And she said yes. She said yes, and we had a couple skated. It was awesome. She forgot all about the whipped cream she and shaving cream, and things. you're good. So, uh, <laughs> she brings it up sometimes. But, yeah, no, we met in school, and then she, we both uh, – I went to college for two years. She went into uh, – 
yet uh, uh, the Yes program, which was a similar yeah, to YWAM. Yeah, uh, and she went. She was in Mexico for a year, so we mm-hmm. were separated. Which I, even though, so we dated for five years, but we were separated for uh, probably a year and a half, two years sure. of that. Uh, which was really, really beneficial to sure. both of us uh, in that time. So. so you guys get married, and then you get involved in youth ministry on the side while you're yes. on the farm, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. What, what did that look like? Oh, uh, wow, it looked like crazy. Uh, we uh, got married. I was uh, the ripe old age of 21, and wow. she was 20. Uh, and the church uh, we were part of, a uh, great church we were part of, they uh, left us sit for a year. Um, so we did not do really anything ministry-wise for a year. Then they asked us to be uh, volunteer youth leaders uh, uh, at sure. uh, the end of that year, and we agreed, and it was supposed to be a three-year term. Uh, ended up in the middle of the second year. Uh, they named me the youth director of the church, uh, and we really, we were all, it was always volunteer. Uh, as We were never paid for doing youth ministry, but we sort of acted like we were. Right. So we were farming full-time and doing youth ministry full-time. What really then jump-started things for us, several things, but we actually then moved off the farm into our small city. Mm-hmm. Uh, I call it a rurban, uh, like rural and urban together. <laughs> rurban I've never heard that. Yeah, so we lived in what we called a rurban community. It was uh, Our church had actually purchased a house that was a drug house. Sure. Uh, they were going to smash it, and we went to the leadership and, and make a parking lot out of it. We went to the leadership and say, hey, can we live there? And you would have thought our pastor at that time died and went to heaven because he never thought anybody would want to actually move into the neighborhood. Right. And so so we moved into the neighborhood, and so we were present, mm-hmm. which I will probably talk about a little bit later. But we were present there, and so kids would come to our door, you know, at, at our house. And actually, really, the church we ended up planting five years later was birthed in the backyard of that property. So Wow, that's so, amazing. Yeah, so we moved there. And Jen and I did, you mentioned together, like— yeah, we've just, most of our ministry, uh, yeah, anything that I say here today, uh, I have to give credit to her for because exactly. we learned it together. Yeah. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't just me. It was us together. Yeah, great, great team. Let's talk about some of the lessons you learned. Again, this is a leadership podcast. We're going to talk sure. about lessons you learned in leadership from those early days, and we'll talk more about the present after yeah, that. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So the early days, and when I talk about um, I sort of grouped this uh, as the early days from those youth group days sure. when we were leading to small business and yeah. to maybe even our first uh, foray into um, world of yeah youth ministry right, in, a, in right. a heavier way. But one of the things that I learned early on was that maybe uh, availability is more value than skill. Uh, we were just available. That's good. And, uh, and I think sometimes, uh, especially in our culture today, uh, availability is a premium. Uh, because our time, everybody's asking for our time or competing for our time, maybe is another word. And so, and maybe, uh, so if like you're listening to this and you're wondering why you're not being asked to lead, maybe you're not perceived as simply available because mm-hmm. we, we did not have a skill set. We didn't, I mean, I went to college, but it really, right. I just went to college, learned, to, I learned some great things, but nothing that really helped me in, in business right. or in leadership at that point in time. And so uh, I really realized, Jen and I began to realize that, you know, there is a really, um, yeah, just value in being available. Be available. Uh, and you right. learn then after you, you say mm-hmm. yes to things. So Give us some more. Give sure, us some, some more things you learned when you were younger. Yeah, so one of the things I remember from my corn planting days, so I uh, mentioned custom work, custom corn planting. Sure. I remember uh, one of those, uh, or one of the probably first or second year, second year that I planted, I planted, I thought I did a great job for this farmer, and he had some critique uh, <laughs> of my corn planting, which I, of course, didn't agree with. Uh, and so it frustrated me. So one day I was with a crop consultant, 
who had really actually helped me get started sure. with the corn planting. And I was sort of, I may be complaining to him, grumbling to him a little bit about this farmer and really wanting him to just, you know, feet affirm right. my being right is what right. I was looking for. And he just, I remember him looking at me and he said, well, he said, he said, always remember, he said that there's usually a nugget of truth in every criticism you ever receive. And I have went back to that over mm. and over again because I've been in leadership now for 25, yes. yeah, almost 25 years. And uh, as you well know, Larry, uh, criticism comes with it. With it comes job. with it. There's plenty of it. And so it's easy to want to uh, be right in those situations. But uh, just uh, I've learned to try not to be offended, uh, especially initially, because that's usually our, our initial right. uh, take on it and then take it as a growth opportunity and learn from it. So that's, you know. Yeah, one of those early day things. So that was great advice. It's so, so yeah. true. There's always this little nugget of truth. Yeah, and that if we can use that to see our leadership increase and improve, makes all the difference in the yeah. world. What else did you learn in those early days? Uh, early days, uh, leader, know thyself. <laughs> what, what do you like mean King by that? James, yeah, like really. Leader, know thyself. But um, I learned, learned, and I would say this is something Jen and I learned together uh, that people tend to love you as a leader for what you do, not for who you are. And so if you uh, don't do well, or if it's not perceived you're doing well, right. all of a sudden you get pushed to the back burner. Right. And so you really have to know yourself, your identity, because what tended, and, and one of the things, traps you tend to fall into then, or that I saw in myself when I began to really feel like the only way I could get affirmation or be loved was for what I did was it led to burnout because I would strive and strive to do more right. to make people happy. Right. So it led to burnout, it led to self-hatred. Like I'm like, like right. I get to the point where I just didn't like myself. And I'm like, this is who I am. But yet I had to keep the facade up almost or keep right. the, and so it led to that. And then, you know, it can lead ultimately to isolation and depression even right. uh, as, as far as that goes. So, yeah. so yeah, so it's just really important. You know who you are as a leader mm-hmm. and that identity. And, and this is, uh, you know, your identity in Christ, uh, yeah. first and foremost, so as a son, uh, and Jen as a daughter, first and foremost, mm-hmm. you know, we have to know that because, um, and then recognize that your value don't come from what you do. It's, you know, it comes from who you are. So true. So good. And so, yeah, I mean, Jesus said it well when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. So yeah. how can you love your neighbor if you're not loving yourself? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And that's probably, yeah, one of those uh, tag ones at the end of that verse we often don't think about. Right. But, uh, and uh, I've heard preached many times, uh, love yourself so you can love your neighbor Exactly. Well. So, I'm sure there's more things you learned in those early days. Oh, there's lots of things. Give us a couple more, yeah, and then we'll get into some mistakes. Yet. One of the things I learned from uh, my, uh, my, I guess it would be my second pastor, actually, but uh, don't defend the indefensible. What does that mean? So uh, there are times uh, when you get, as a leader, where you get attacked or there's accusations made against you that are not true or they're unfounded. And now I'm not saying that you never, like, put up a defense, especially if it's uh, something that's really a big deal. Maybe you have to. But there's many things that you just, when you begin to try to defend yourself, uh, that all of a sudden it begins to sound like maybe you were guilty or maybe you were, you did do what you're accused of and things like that. And so what it often happens, um, I find about, you know, defending oneself from these kinds of attacks usually only deepens the exasperation and it builds a wall between the people that you're trying to lead or maybe even the person you're sitting across sure, from. Sure. And often, at least in my experience, often those attacks that come on leadership come from a place of, uh, 
not in me, but in the person I'm maybe being attacked mm-hmm. by of disappointments, uh, unmet expectations. I think you had yeah. a podcast on that not too long uh, ago. I did. Uh, and wounding. Uh, and so there's, they're, they're usually coming out of a place, this place of hurt. And so recognizing that first right. and then recognizing like just by, and this just happened to me literally a week ago where somebody accused me of, and really it wasn't really an accusation, but they made a, uh, maybe a critique, a uh, pretty harsh critique, we'll sure. just call it that. And my immediate, uh, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden my, my antennas all went up and I was ready to You're still just learning, go, huh? go at it. Uh, and, and, you know, in about 30 seconds to me, I'm like, no, I just need to sit here and listen yeah. uh, and not defend uh, myself because there really wasn't anything to defend. Right. I only would have made it worse and right. when to help the situation. So recognizing there are things that it's just not worth defending. It's just... Sure. Uh, it's just allowing uh, people to talk, and then yeah. Uh, yeah, sometimes so that God always well. vindicates us. I found that over many years. God will always vindicate if we you know, we choose the right path. Yeah, and we be grace and we bless. He always vindicates. Yeah, I think that's one of those things that I w- I learned when I was in the learning process when I was young. I wish I would have probably paid more attention to mm-hmm. it sooner. Yeah, so some of these things. I learned in my teens and twenties, but I really didn't learn them until I was in my forties. Right. That's uh, honestly, I, I didn't, I didn't take the lessons until I was in my forties. Right. But uh, well, sometimes we got to learn again and again and again. You know, yeah. you fail the test, you take it again until you get it. Yeah. And I, sometimes I took a test a lot of times. <laughs> I have to say that. So, so yeah. Anything else that yeah, you learned in those just, early uh, days? Yeah, just early days. Uh, one of the things uh, I learned from going to Red Lobster. Uh, Red, Red Lobster. Red I Lobster. like that restaurant. It's a great restaurant. Uh, it's an advertisement for it, but good. Uh, my son actually worked there when he was in high school. My, really? My one son did. And uh, so we learned to, you know, the biscuits. Everybody goes there for the biscuits, right? Uh, and, so what uh, is the Red Lobster lesson? I the Red Lobster this. lesson. One of the things I noticed about Red Lobster, and I'm guessing it was more than just our Red Lobster in, in Chambersburg, but Red Lobster would, every few years, would totally redesign everything. Like they would change the decor, the walls would get painted, uh, different decorations on the wall, menus, pretty much menu, but the menus look different. Uniforms would change on the staff, tablecloths, everything would change, booths would change, seating arrangements would change. And they would do this, and I think that one of the things I was like, you know, Places that don't stay fresh or, and I'm just talking about businesses here, but I think it even applies in the church world as well. If you don't stay fresh, people tend to, especially in our 21st century, get bored or tend to get into routines that aren't good. And so I just think there's something that's powerful about regular designed intentional repackaging. Same stuff. Same food, same thing. But I think it, I just I'm like I always pay attention to that. Uh, and as I was thinking about uh, just sharing that on the podcast, I thought I wrote down here: intimacy inspires creativity and originality. Uh huh. So when we're intimate with the Father, right? I think, and He's very creative, obviously. And so that creativity uh, and that originality part of us gets spurred on. And so I I, I feel like I, I would see this in leaders, and it would annoy me. And now I've been leading for a while, so I got to be careful. I don't fall in the same <laughs> trap. But after a while, it's like uh, their message just lot would lose its freshness. Right. It sounded like they, even though they said maybe uh, something different, it sounded the same. Mm-hmm. And there was just a, and maybe I don't want to judge. I'm not right. here to judge right. somebody's uh, intimacy, level of intimacy with the father. But I just feel like it's a, if, if we're going to continually as leaders, and I'm not just yeah. talking about messages I'm not, or sermons. I'm not just talking about. Uh, maybe mentoring we do, things like that. But I'm talking about sort of the whole, uh, as leaders, I think they, we need this continual uh, creative side of yes. us and originality coming out. And in our own strength and giftings and powers, that can happen 
uh, on our own strength. Right. And so it's in that place of intimacy where that happens. And so that's something I just noticed about Red Lobster a long time ago. So Uh, good. I never heard that before. The Red Lobster secret. Red Lobster secret. So uh, they and they keep they they still change. They still change. Give me give me one more. Just give me one more. Yeah, one more. Uh, And I was thinking about this actually on our drive down this morning. And there's a saying that familiarity breeds contempt. Yeah, and we've yeah. heard that in leadership right. uh, classes, lessons. And uh, I thought, you know, I'm going to tweak that a little bit. Familiarity will breed contempt. Uh-huh. There is no doubt in my mind it will breed contempt. But the question is, what are you going to do with the contempt that it breeds? Well, explain and how that fleshes out. What's that so, look like? So I looks like. So I'll just tell you a personal story. So when I was in my late 20s, I was very idealistic. I was very... Uh, arrogant, uh, full of pride. I thought I knew what I thought I was right about everything. And I began to be out at that point. I was very close uh, with my pastor. And somewhere in that whole two or three year, two or three year period, you know, uh, I was close with him. And then he made a decision or so that I didn't quite agree with. Uh, and then because of my closeness with him, all of a sudden I began to see all his flaws. <laughs> like no longer was he this man, right. this person on a pedestal uh, that was sewing into my life. All of a sudden, you know, sure. you know I saw the, the, all the things he did wrong. And I, I began to feel contempt in my mm-hmm. spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And so that happened. Uh, and then he actually ended up moving on from that church before I did. Uh, he was put in a, in a position actually as our conference leader, sure. which was, was a great, was a good move for him. Uh, but so life travels on. Several years later, I get uh, involved in the Dove Network, the right, Dove family, right? right? And uh, just loved, uh, Jen and I have loved so much what we've learned and we've grown. And probably three or four years, I don't know, five years into sure. our experience there. But um, we began to get familiar yeah. with yeah. Uh, yourself uh, yeah. and other leaders. And, right. and it was, you know, when we first went to the school, it was like, oh, my goodness. And then all of a sudden, we, <laughs> you guys loved us so much and, and come alongside of us. And then that whole familiar thing started to happen sure. where all of a sudden, all, and I guess I'm allowed to say this on a podcast, sure. we saw a few flaws, you know. Along There's the a lot of flaws. And I remember waking up one day, and I had that same thing in my spirit that I had toward that former leader. Interesting. And Holy Spirit says, Doug, what are you going to do this time? Wow. Are you going to go down that same road? Yeah. Now, here I am 10, 15 years later, and we're still in relationship. And and so I felt like it's a lesson I learned. Sure. I've learned how to communicate, maybe, to talk about things, uh, uh, to address things. Right. You know, maybe I... And just to love people for who they are and leaders for who they are and recognize that I'm not perfect. Right. And some of that was just... The whole God's chisel of taking off all the arrogance and right. junk out of my life too. But I, do, I remember uh, a moment where Holy Spirit said, "Doug, what are, are you going to go down the same road again?" Right. And I had to make a decision, and uh, you know, I made a said, and I said, "No, I'm not going to go down that road again. I'm going to choose. So good. I'm going to choose not to allow contempt and resentment to fill my mm-hmm. spirit." And, uh, yeah, and it's been so good. <laughs> it's been so that good. So I'm glad good. I learned that lesson. Now, I didn't have to take that test again because, wow, I wouldn't want to take that one again. So Yeah, the only so, perfect leader is Jesus. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we're all trying to be like him and, yeah. and growing in intimacy with him. And great, great, great example. Now, you already mentioned a few mistakes you've made. Uh, did you yeah. make any more? 
Well, yeah, we've, we've, we've made, made, we've made plenty. Have you listed them? Uh, so I've listed a few, Okay, uh, but, uh, yeah, I think, um, one of the things, and this sort of maybe touches on just what we talked about with the familiarity yeah. breeds contempt thing. Maybe yeah. another way to say that would be familiarity breeds dishonor, can breed right. dishonor. And uh, one of the mistakes I made was dishonoring those in leadership whom I disagreed with. Yeah. And that seems to be pretty much what we're taught to do in our culture today mm-hmm. um, from, you know, even it breaks my heart when I hear uh, whether it don't matter who's present for the last, honestly, since right. since the 90s, when I started paying attention to things, there was always a group of people who were very dishonoring loudly right. to our national leaders right. and still is, still is that way. And so I, one of the mistakes I made was dishonoring that leadership. And I wrote down here, the kingdom will expand at the pace of honor. Mm, that's good. Say that uh, again. That's the, really the good. The kingdom will expand at the pace of honor. That's really good. So in your sphere of influence, yes. whether it's a local church, whether sure. it's a network, denomination, a business, a business, business yeah. uh, the growth can only occur mm. at the pace that honor is present. That's beautiful. And so, yeah, that's so that's, but I made a mistake of yeah. So, so I'm trying to, and you mentioned India before. Yeah. And India, I've seen that so happen, and, and we can just maybe, in India, there's, and some of it's cultural, right? Uh, but our brothers and sisters in India, and you and I have been there together. Sure, they have learned how to honor they have. in ways maybe that we need to learn from them. And so Very there right. is an honor that happens there, and the growth of the Dove family in India even maybe speaks to that a little mm-hmm. bit as they've mm-hmm. honored well, and just the expansion we've seen there in the past three or four years Amazing. has been incredible. Yeah, and so I think that keeping pace thing, mm-hmm. it all it just opens up lots of doors. So yeah, if we can establish a culture of honor in every setting we're in, whether it's in business or whether it's in church or whether it's in the ministry or whatever. Yeah. Culture of honor is so, so important. And the Bible's clear. Give honor to whom honor is due. Yeah. And so I really, really, really affirm that. And maybe another area would be marriage. <laughs> yeah. How we honor our spouses. Exactly. As leaders, how we honor, whether, exactly. whether um, mm. a husband or wife, you know, how we honor our spouses is so crucial. Yeah. And our families. Yeah. And, and our, our families. families. Yeah. Our, our, our children, our Parents. Sometimes or, we forget yeah, that's <laughs> those right. closest to us and how mm-hmm. we need to honor there as well. Yeah, very, so, very, yeah. very good. Other mistakes yeah. you made? Did you make any more? Yeah. Oh, I was, I was hoping we couldn't spend a lot of time on this. No. <laughs> but yeah, just a few more. Uh, but yeah, one of the things I, I uh, one of the things I did, and really probably maybe still uh, can allow this to sneak in sometimes, right. uh, is abdicating leadership to others at crucial moments. Mm. Um, one of the things that I've struggled with uh, over the and over the years is, is feeling a spirit of rejection, mm-hmm. and that's probably a whole other podcast. But I struggle with, and one of, one of the things in me that I don't want somebody to say no to me, mm-hmm. or I don't want somebody to maybe leave my ministry, mm-hmm. or things like that. And so there are times where there's crucial moments where instead of stepping up to the plate, so yes, to speak, and yes. taking that uh, you know two out three strike. Yes. A two strike, two out pitch, right. uh, and swinging the bat at it. I will step back and allow somebody else. And the beautiful thing is, it looks like delegation. It mm-hmm. like, oh, Doug is so wonderful, and he's and Del. But I've realized that there, it's actually a failure to lead. Mm. And so uh, I've really that's something I'm trying to grow in. But abdicating and like almost giving unhealthily giving my. Uh, mantle of authority to others yeah and they've not even necessarily misused it right or since they don't do it but it's just like an area where i'm supposed to be 
leading the charge, so to speak, right. stepping back out of fear. That's one of the reasons I would step back out yeah. of fear. And so that would be a mistake that I have made. Uh, and it's caused, uh, it's caused heartache in our, and it's caused mm-hmm. maybe sometimes our ministry even to not grow uh, because uh, proper leadership was not in place. And right, so, right. So that whole abdicating thing was... was yeah, really abdication big. sometimes, it can look like delegation, but if yeah. it's abdication, it's with the wrong spirit yeah. and, and it comes with that spirit of rejection. So it's yeah. so, so good, so true. Yeah. Other mistakes? Uh, yeah, failure to confront red flags. <laughs> Uh, Jen and I planted a church. We were in our early 30s, and you know, we we started really from scratch. It was the two of us. Uh, as one uh, local pastor told me, uh, we would have elder team meetings in bed, uh, and uh, that's sort of how it started. And so, uh, but so when you start, we started to gather people around us, uh, vision and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there. You don't want to lose anybody because you're small, right? You're afraid to lose anybody. You don't want anybody to leave because, wow, like, you know, if two people leave, there goes like 10% of your whole. Right. And so uh, you don't want that. So often that would cause me to not confront. uh, I wrote down a red flags, which what I mean by that is more attitudes, uh, maybe worldviews I saw that were unhealthy or ideas that people would have that were not scriptural, things like that. And so I would sort of choose to let things ride Mm. um, instead of confronting them and hope they would just get better on their own. Sure. And so, and, and they, they, they never do. And <laughs> usually people would end up leaving anyway. And, uh, and so it could be really challenging, but, uh, just that, uh, so that was a mistake, uh, probably along with that, uh, this was a big one and growing up with my background, I blame that, but I really can't because, uh, I've learned, but I call it, I call it passive aggressive communication. Yeah. And so what's I, that look like? Oh boy. Uh, what's that look like? So, and I've had to work on this in my marriage. I've had to work on this with my kids, uh, with my elder team, uh, with those I lead. But I often I will, would will hint at things I want done or something I want and hope that you pick up on it. Right. You know, I don't want to ask you because once again, I don't want you to tell me no. Uh huh. And so I'll just say, you know, Larry, hey, there's this real nice, um, <laughs> you know, group of people down the street that. Uh, yeah, did you ever think about, you know, connecting with them? And But I would never, like, straight out to say, hey, I really would like you to go to this meeting or the Chamber of Commerce meeting or, right. you know, whatever it would be. I would, I would just, um, I would do that. And so it usually, usually it does always end in frustration because the thing I want to get done don't get done. At least the person don't do it. I end up doing it, causing me more work, uh, and then I get frustrated. Right. And where simply if I would have said, hey, would you do this? They could have said yes or no, and then I could Correct. have moved on. And so right. that whole probably growing up how I grew up and even the lack of wanting to confront things, that whole passive-aggressive thing yeah. is a biggie. But you and grew up in an Anabaptist background, I did, and yes. I did also. And that's kind of part and parcel with the Anabaptist background. And all of us, uh, of course, have had to learn throughout the years how to yeah. not fall into that trap ourselves. Yeah, and so that's a mistake I've, I've made. And, and honestly, I have to. It's a that's a daily. You know, I still have to lay that defeat of Jesus because I can I can yeah. fall into that pretty yeah. quickly. Give me one more. Yeah, one more. So another mistake I made uh, was shifting. I called it shifting vision. Uh, just changing up uh, things a lot. You know, you, uh, you, God gives you a vision and so you go after it and I'd go after it for about three months and then it wouldn't work or I perceived it wasn't working. Right. And so then I would switch to another vision. Oh, well, God said this now. Right. Uh, and then, and, and people never were, it's, it's like I was just taking the people I was leaving and, and almost ripping them from right. one thing to another. Right. 
and uh, like, I began what'd you like say? whiplash. You know? Yeah, like whiplash. <laughs> and, and then so, and whenever you, if you're yeah. with a group of people and there's whiplash, somebody's going to fly off exactly. the end, right? Exactly. Uh, and, and that happened, and that that, that would happen. And so uh, several years ago, I began coaching junior high girls basketball, and that's a whole experience sure. in itself. And But I've learned so much. And I remember one of the first, I thought I, it was my first year of coaching, I thought I'd come up with this great offensive uh, system that we were right, going to run, right. right? And I remember we ran the system, The first it was the first game, and we played a team that was better than us, and it just didn't work. The mm. system didn't work in that game. And I was like, well, I'm going to change this whole thing up. This isn't going to work. I remember thinking to myself, and I began. I talked to a, a dad. It wasn't a dad of one of my players, but another dad who was there uh, after the game. And I began, well, you know, I think this was a great idea, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's not for us. Maybe the girls can't learn it, things like that. And he just said, well, he said, he said I wouldn't be so fast about that. He said, he said, he said, choose, choose a system. And he said, that's not a bad one. He said, and just stick with it. And now here we are four years later in that story, and we've stuck with a system, wow. and it's, it's paying huge dividends yeah. uh, and has worked really well. And so I've taken that into my leadership where just sticking with things for uh, longer periods of time before give, giving them the ax, yeah. <laughs> you know. And so yeah. early on in my leadership, I would, I would just shift a lot, and that wasn't healthy. Uh, for the church, and it would cause. I think your your uh, illustration of whiplash is great, <laughs> you know, because I'm you know I'm expecting it. I'm, but everybody behind me, this, my wife's right behind me, right? right? She feels it, but not that much. Then the next person behind, and the further out it goes, the more yeah. the back of the tail, so to speak, yeah. gets whiplashed, and so then they, they're the ones that end up flying off, right? And then your 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 group stays small, exactly. And so you know, I've asked this question again and again as I've trained leaders throughout the world. I I'll say this: I say, how many of you like change? And all these leaders, yeah, love change, love change. And then I asked the question a second way. I said, how many of you like change when somebody else makes the change and you're stuck with their change? And nobody, almost no one. Well, and that's what happens with leaders. Yeah. We're so used to making decisions and people experiencing whiplash, we don't even know it, you yeah. see. And that's that's why it's really important for us to understand the concept you're talking about so good. How is there any, like... I know you're interviewing me here, but is there any, <laughs> like in the early days of Dove when you guys were trying to figure things out? Oh my! How, how wait, did you? Wait, how did you how did I you, went to Korea to learn from the Koreans and how they did small groups and cell groups, and and uh, they had this deal that if they didn't multiply their small groups in six months, that they would have to go to Prayer Mountain. It's like going to Purgatory, you know. <laughs> and so we came back and said, "Well, if they can do it in Korea, we can do it here." And man, it was whiplash. It was just crazy. And wow. uh, yeah, our people were so great, gracious, you know, in those yeah. days. But yeah, I made that mistake so many times. You learn over the years. You learn how not yeah. to do it in many cases. Yeah. Doug, you've got so much in you. Would you be willing to come back for another podcast? Oh, absolutely. Here's why. I mean, you got so much on teamwork. I want to talk to you about overflow, the church you lead. I want to talk to you about how did you as a pastor and a business leader, how you do that together, an old bivocational thing a lot of people struggle with. How in the world do we do that? Yeah. So I'd like to have you back. Now, did you have a website that you could give us so that anybody wants to get a hold of you or like for overflow? your church or anything? Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, our church website is uh, overflowcc, for Overflow Community Church, uh, .org. Okay. Uh, and and you can find us there. You can email me, you can email me from there. Okay. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Doug Lehman. Uh, Great. Me okay. Per, private message me there. It's fine as well. Great. Okay. We will get all that on the show notes. So, so anybody listening, you say, I, I, I like this guy. He's got so much that I can <laughs> learn from. Uh, give you a chance to connect, you know, with Doug and with you, Doug. Sure. And uh, that, that'd be fantastic. So we'll have you back. We'll talk more about uh, all these, these things we're talking about right now, especially uh, the whole thing about team building and 
and how do you build sure. teams and how does that work? And you learned so much about that. Yep. I just want you to know it's been a joy to walk with you for so many years, and you're, <laughs> you're always a great inspiration to me. Well, so thank you. Thank, well, you, thank, thank you, Larry. You. It's been an honor to be on the podcast and uh, just be a blessing. And, yeah, just to love to see how— yeah, we can need to walk together to see exactly. the kingdom of God expand around the world. Exactly. So, everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. And we we'll look forward to seeing you again and connecting with you again very, very soon. Blessings to all. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.